Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. Today's going to be a great day because we're talking about probably the most important day of the Jewish year. And it is the day we observe, not celebrate, Yom Kippur, literally the Day of Atonement. This looks back to Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23, to those great passages that describe the way the high priest of Israel would take a bull and a goat and would pour the blood on the altar in the Holy of Holies. It was the one day a year he would go through the curtain to the Holy of Holies and it is the most important day of the Jewish year because it's the day when we can walk away with the assurance that God has forgiven our sins. Now, Yom Kippur has come a long way since then, and we're going to be able to share a bit of that as we continue on talking about the great festival of Yom Kippur. And by the way, uh, I actually wrote a book on this, if I might give myself a commercial. So I wrote a book for Moody Press called The Fall Feasts of Israel, and I tried to explain to Moody Press that one of those feasts is a fast, and that it might not be the best name for the book. But they went ahead and did that because that's how it's commonly understood. But Yom Kippur, again, it's a fast day. It is the holiest day of the Jewish year, and you're going to learn so much about it as you continue to listen. Please welcome my co-host, Bobby Walter, who leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in New York City. Yes. Shalom, Mitch, and shalom, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us as you're listening. And, uh, you know, Mitch, I'm really looking forward to this episode about Yom Kippur because I think this is one of the holidays that is kind of uh, familiar to most people in the broader, you know, American culture. I mean, people have heard of Yom Kippur, but they may not be super familiar with you know, the ins and outs and the significance of it and what it means and and honestly, how Jewish people celebrate it today. So when you were growing up as a young Jewish man in New York City, what was it like? What was Yom, what was your Yom Kippur experience like? Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it was a miserable experience. You know, uh, so let me let me explain it to you. So Yom Kippur was the day you couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the whole day off school and you couldn't do anything about it. No basketball, no football, no nothing. So I was raised in a more modern Orthodox Jewish home, not completely religious, but boy, I'll tell you, every Jewish person gets religious on Yom Kippur. Hmm. And uh, if they don't believe that your sins are forgiven on that day, they at least want to play it safe, Bobby. And so uh, we take it seriously. And Yom Kippur is a fast day. Hmm. The last meal that you are going to have is on what we call Erev Yom Kippur, which is the night of Yom Kippur before sundown. So you finish your meal before sundown, and then you've got sundown all the way through sundown the the next day Mm -hmm. where you need to fast. You wear uncomfortable clothing. So that means I had to dress up in, I would say, my Sunday's best, but it was really for Jewish people, it's your Saturday's best, you know? (laughs) There's a funny little tradition also, and that is... Uh, you'll see a lot of Jewish people wearing sneakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason is because leather shoes were viewed as luxurious and comfortable. And so Jewish people do not wear good leather shoes on Yom Kippur. We wear sneakers 
because that's an alternative. Of course, the sneakers are more comfortable. So, you know, there's always, <laughs> right. if there's a law, there's always a way of getting around it, let me tell you. <laughs> and, uh, but it's a very, very serious day. And uh, we spend the whole day in synagogue. Growing up in New York City, my family belonged to a larger synagogue, but on Yom Kippur, we used to go to a smaller synagogue right in our neighborhood because, mm. of course, you had to walk to the synagogue, and uh, it was just a, a, a better place for my dad and I to go. And uh, we would say all the prayers for forgiveness all throughout the day, and, mm -hmm. and uh, again, no refreshments. And by the end of the day, you were really worn out by your repentance. And at the end of the day, did you have the assurance of forgiveness? Well, I don't think assurance of forgiveness actually even exists in the Jewish religious faith. And so uh, you didn't really have uh, an assurance of forgiveness. But even Jewish people who are more secular will repent and confess their sins, whether or not they really believe there's a, a holy God exists. Uh, it's just something that's in ingrained in the culture. But I, I could feel Yom Kippur coming a mile away, Bobby. Wow. You know, it's almost like it had a long shadow. And uh, we had already heard the shofar blow on Rosh Hashanah 10 days before that. Between Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and Yom Kippur, the 10 days of awe or the 10 days of repentance. So when you come to Yom Kippur, it's also a culmination. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, you've been sort of working your way towards it. And uh, by the end of Yom Kippur, even if you're not that spiritual, you're spiritually exhausted. Mm -hmm. um, hoping, of course, that God will see what you've done and accept what you've done and forgive you of your sins. But of course, you never know. And so there's a lot more to say, many more traditions about it, Bobby. But I think that it's really important for our listeners to understand what the Bible has to say right. about the Day of Atonement, because right. even some Jewish people don't understand what the Bible says because it's so filled with tradition, and sometimes we're raised more on tradition than Bible. So maybe you could fill us in, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it's really interesting because when you look at all of the traditions that you just described, how you're denying yourself, there's uh, repentance, there's fasting, a lot of the traditions that are observed today on Yom Kippur, they come from the Bible. They come from scripture. Right. And there's really two main passages in the book of Leviticus that we can turn to where we read about Yom Kippur, this day of atonement, which is, you know, the, the translation of Yom Kippur. So one of them is in Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 26. So I'll just read a few verses. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on exactly the 10th day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. So right there in that verse in uh, Leviticus 23, 27, we get that commandment from God that this is a day of atonement and that the people are commanded to humble their souls. Or another translation that is also fitting is afflict your souls. So that's where this idea of uh, fasting comes in. Now, the other passage that's very important for us to understand what Yom Kippur is about is back in Leviticus chapter 16. And Leviticus 16, the entire chapter is devoted to the details about how Yom Kippur was to be observed when the temple or the tabernacle stood, when there was actually an altar where blood sacrifices were made, when the Ark of the Covenant was there in the Holy of Holies, when there was a functioning priesthood, uh, Levitical priesthood, operating 
right? So we're not going to read the entire chapter, but just to sort of summarize a little bit about what is there in chapter 16. You've sort of mentioned it already, but we have the high priest, right? He is essentially the religious representative of the entire nation of Israel. And what he is going to do is he is going to offer up two different goats, and uh, along with a number of other blood sacrifices that he makes on Yom Kippur. But the idea is that he's uh, he's taking off his regular majestic garments that he wears as the high priest. He's putting on white linen clothes, and then he's offering these two goats. One of them is called the scapegoat. And he confesses, he puts his hand upon the head of that goat. He confesses all the sins of the nation of Israel uh, and himself onto that goat. And then that scapegoat is released into the wilderness. Its blood is actually never shed on the altar. And then he takes the second goat and that goat he actually kills. So he offers that goat on the altar. He takes the blood of that goat into the Holy of Holies, the holiest place on earth, because that was where God's presence dwelt. The glory of God came down from heaven and met with his people there in the Holy of Holies. And Yom Kippur, this was the only day in the entire year when anyone could go into the Holy of Holies. And it was only when the high priest offered that blood of that goat and went in to sprinkle the blood onto the mercy seat and then come out and uh, essentially make atonement for the entire nation of Israel. Now, this is what it was like when the temple stood, when the tabernacle, when the Levitical priesthood was in operation. But Mitch, we sort of have an issue, right? Because there is no temple standing in Jerusalem. There is no functioning tabernacle. There is no functioning Levitical priesthood. So right. how how does all of this fit? Number one, into uh, the Jewish, the, the traditional Jewish approach to Yom Kippur today as it relates to forgiveness and atonement. And also, how does it relate to our faith in Jesus? Yes, of course. Great questions, Bobby. And particularly good questions for me personally, because I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus. Right. And... Um, if we believe that the festivals of Israel point to a future fulfillment in the Messiah, and maybe even beyond that at times, uh, some are fulfilled at Messiah's first coming, some fulfilled at Messiah's second coming, some a little bit of both. The salvation that Jesus brings to us by dying on Calvary both provides expiation or substitutionary atonement for us, or else we should have died for our own sins, and secondly, removes our sin. Hmm. And so our sin is both removed and our sin is paid for so that the pathway between us and God is as clear as the pathway between the high priest and the presence of God in the temple. Hmm. It's also interesting that what divided the holy place from the holy of holies where all this activity took place this one day of the year that when Jesus died, if you remember in the New Testament, the veil in the temple was rent in two. And that is really important. And that's a Yom Kippur passage, if I might say, because uh, the tearing of the veil showed that the entree to the presence of God, because of the death of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of his shed blood, because of all that, we are now able to walk into the presence of God and face the Holy One of Israel covered, shrouded by the blood of Christ. What's interesting also is the word kippur. It is from the word to cover. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in, in a real sense, 
the blood of Jesus, in a sense, provides almost a crimson cover that surrounds us so that when God sees us, he doesn't see us with our sin, he sees us with the righteousness of Christ. He sees that our sins are forgiven. Right. Now, this is backed up, of course, by the teachings in the book of Hebrews, which was written when the temple still stood. So the, you know, I always find that very interesting. So that the illustration for the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it was, but the illustration for his letter and his sermon was still standing. I mean, you mm-hmm. could walk into the temple. Friends, let me read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11, which I think really captures how a believer should feel about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and how I feel about the Day of Atonement, because I would repent and I would ask God to forgive me and, of course, never walk away with the assurance of sins paid for and and forgiveness provided. So we read in verse 11, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Even the bulls and goats pointed to Jesus. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. So the writer of Hebrews, communicating to probably Jewish believers and some Jewish non-believers, while the temple was still standing, the illustration for what he was saying was still there. It was destroyed in 70 AD. This was written before that. And so we understand that Jesus the Messiah made one sacrifice for all time, for all people, so that we could know for certainty that our sins were forgiven. So what does Yom Kippur mean to me? It means that my sins are forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's, it's so powerful, Mitch, isn't it? Just the, the message of Yom Kippur and how it finds its fullness in what Jesus has done for us, that we can have forgiveness, we can have confidence that our, our sins are forgiven and that we are declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Uh, and I love in Hebrews 9 as well, Hebrews 9, 11, it says this, it uses very powerful Yom Kippur imagery. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So Jesus, he is our high priest, and he is the sacrifice, and his blood has been brought into that heavenly holy of holies to obtain, to take hold of eternal redemption, redemption that lasts forever. Amen. So practically speaking, Bobby, what does this mean for our listeners? Um, Most of our listeners know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. If you do not know him as your Savior, boy, I'll tell you, now's the time. Uh, Just give your heart to Christ. Just say yes to Jesus. And if you do know him, then there are three things I can suggest in light of Yom Kippur that you might want to consider. Number one, confess your sins. You have a God who loves you, who sent his son to die for you, who wants to hear from you. Uh, He already knows your sins. Uh, He wants you to recognize your sin and to appreciate and rejoice in the cleansing he brings to you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he knows those deep and hidden sins, and if he wants you to discover them so that you can confess them and repent and become more and more like him. 
Secondly, because you know your own heart and your own sin, you have the greater capacity to forgive others. When you know that you've been forgiven, then you can forgive. He who has been forgiven much, loves much and extends that forgiveness to others. And finally, you can pray for those who do not yet know Jesus, do not know Yeshua, the Messiah. I hope that you'll be praying for your Jewish friends. And if you don't have Jewish friends, pray for my Jewish friends and my Jewish family. Pray for Chosen People Ministries that the Lord would work powerfully this Day of Atonement in bringing many to himself. Rosh Hashanah marks the beginning of the Jewish New Year. It is translated as the head of the year and marks the start of the 10 days of all leading up to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. On the Jewish calendar, Rosh Hashanah falls on the first two days of the month of Tishrei. The Bible refers to the holiday as Yom Hazikaron, the Day of Remembrance, and Yom Teruah, the Day of Blowing of Trumpets. But what is the significance of these names? During synagogue services, the Jewish community sounds the shofar, or a ram's horn, as a call to repentance. This moment begins a period of introspection and repentance within the Jewish community. Come discover for yourself at our conference, Trumpets to Tents, celebrating Jesus in the Jewish holidays. Our speakers will discuss the three fall festivals, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. You will learn how each of these holidays reveals aspects of Jesus' life and redemptive ministry. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear a song titled Zion from Aaron Schust, an award-winning musician. Aaron is known for creating beautiful worship songs that minister to people right where they are. And we're sure that you're going to enjoy this one. Oh, daughters of Zion. Oh, Abraham's sons. Hear the words of your father. Here is promise of love I will make you a blessing So count the stars if you can You will be a great nation I will give you this land I will bring you back home I'll bring you back home, oh my children You will no longer roam Lost and alone in the night There is nothing on earth That could take you away Once I gather you under my wings I will bring you all back home Again, though you've wandered like strangers to the ends of the earth, I will send you a savior, I will finish my work. You have no other shepherd, you have no other Lord. Pastures are waiting in Zion once more. I will bring you back home. I'll bring you back home, oh my children. 
Listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift available for you just for reaching out. We sure do, Bobby. Jay Randall Price has edited an eye-opening and engaging compilation called What We Should Think About Israel. It's designed to help us separate fact from fiction when it comes to the conflicts and controversies in the Middle East. And we're going to send that to you free of charge when you reach out today. So just go to chosenpeople.com slash radio to request the book, and you can even read a chapter I wrote in that book about Jerusalem. And then if you would, please take a moment to let us know that you're listening and that you're praying for the ministry and for Jewish people around the world. The Bible tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, and we believe that your prayers empower us to reach Jewish people around the globe. And so we welcome your partnership. You can also let us know that you're partnering with us in prayer by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or you can call us at 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA. And don't forget to ask for your free copy of J. Randall Price's book, What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. Ya e ponovelecha V 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.